Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the Bloomberg of Freight with my friend, Mary O'Connell. How's it going, Mary? It's going well today, Joe. How's that? How are things going? Very you? good. Very good. So uh, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. So I am Mary O'Connell. I am in the greatest city in the world that is St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, I work for FreightWaves, as many of you probably know. And I actually host Chuck Call, the 3PL and Freight Broker podcast and newsletter. Uh, and I also host Running on Ice, the Cold Chain podcast and subsequent bi-weekly newsletter. So um, we're just, you name it about freight, I have probably written about it. And that being said, uh, you know, we're FreightWaves, we're a freight media and freight data company. We have sonar, we have a bunch of data visibility and ins- or data insight tools, I'm sorry. And it's just, you know, it's the answer to everything that you might yep. need. And you got you guys, Freightways, are the Bloomberg of freight. And I know that's, we were talking before we record, your official title is something different. What is your official title over at Freightways? It is the nerve center of the global supply Which chain. Is good. And so it's kind of like we have our finger on the pulse of the global supply chain, but uh, the Bloomberg of Freight has a catchier has a catchier And I believe it's it. not just Freightwave saying we're the Bloomberg of Freight. It's Bloomberg saying Freightwaves is the Bloomberg of Freight. <laughs> I haven't personally heard it from Bloomberg. They themselves. don't speak to you directly? No, shockingly, Bloomberg doesn't just like hit me up on the phone and go like, hey, Mary, how's it going? What's going on in the world today? Um, I'll leave that. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, I'm excited to do this podcast because I want to talk to you about a few different things. And it was related to what's going on in the freight industry. And you talk to people a lot about what's happening, what what are some of the gaps and what are some of the challenges. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And before we do that, tell us a little bit about you, Mary. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you join the pirate ship. So my, I've lived in St. Louis for most of my life. I went to school at Southeast Missouri State in Cape Girardeau, the finest institution that one can attend. And uh, no, we are not big into football or sports. We're a great <laughs> school. So, you know, we have teams, but... They're not like, they're never going to show up in a bowl game kind of thing. (laughs) But after that, I took a world, I took a little adventure. You know, you uh, don't, you graduate, can't find a job. So naturally you find a temp agency that places you in a transportation company. So you sit down at your first desk, the the first day at your desk and your boss is like, hey, I need you to maintain this trailer pool. And I'm like, cool. What's trailer pool? (laughs) And they're like, oh, what do you mean? And I go, ah, is it a pool full of trailers? Because I feel like that is not right. But that's what my brain is telling me. It's just a giant swimming pool full of trailers. And my boss is like, no, absolutely not. So they were immediately regretting that decision. But it's okay because I learned and I learned that it's just literally the trailers that sit in the yard. It's not that intense. So I started there doing that and some general appointment times, nothing too crazy. And then I decided I didn't want to be stuck in transportation for forever. And so I would like to, uh, I decided I was going to go do something else. So I was a corporate travel agent for a while. I went and worked at Ikea and sold kitchens and built furniture, which gave me the weird lifelong skill to be able to build Ikea furniture with almost no directions. Oh, that's a very necessary skill. <laughs> it's a, I'm pretty lethal. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and so I did that. And then I decided I didn't want to work retail anymore because shockingly, that doesn't have the best, doesn't have the best hours. So I found myself back in transportation, working at a brokerage, doing some managed transportation services, moving flatbed giant oversized tractor trailers that are like millions of dollars worth of research equipment. So, you know, it was really fun and exciting and every way, shape and form. And then I moved into some pricing and procurement and the LTL world. And now we're here just writing about it all. Freight waves. And what made you join freight waves? So I joined freight waves about a year and a half ago. And so, you know, we've created Chuck call from nothing. And this just this year, 11 days ago, we inherited, uh, we inherited running on ice and, um, and that's about cold chain. 
that's about, that's about cold chain in case the ice wasn't uh, selling there. <laughs> but the thing that made me join Freightways was honestly a whim. So I was not really happy where I was. I had kind of reached that point where most people do, where, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for advancement. And, you know, I just wasn't, I just needed a little bit more. And so I saw on a whim this post from Freightwaves and I was like, you know, I've been following their stuff for a while. Like, let's just see what happens. And boy, did we see what happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great company. It's a great story. And I say this all the time. Every time I have someone on my podcast from Freightwaves, I feel like Freightwaves is like this, the the media sun in our business. And the rest of us are kind of rotating around it. And as a podcaster, I I, I don't know when po- the podcast started at Freightwaves, but I always feel like they kind of created a market. So for companies like mine to have podcasts, for me to do my podcast, I feel like they, they created a market for podcasts. I said when Tim Dooner was on my podcast, I said, it's like you guys are the Beatles and we're the, we're the rest of the company. <laughs> we're the rest of the British invasion following on the coattails, which is just fine by me. <laughs> Some big coattails. I think I'll leave Dooner to be the Beatles and the rest of us can just be the rolling. They're all the rest of the I'll be the Stones. I prefer them anyway. Anyway, so we wanted to talk today about a few things. So I wrote down three things we wanted to talk about, all key topics. And I know these are you cover these on the podcast you do. These come up on mine also. And these are things that, you know, sometimes I look and go, God, we talk about this all the time. But they're big issues. And, you know, some of the bigger issues you tend to and find yourself talking about a lot. Everyone wanted to talk about visibility for a long time. Visibility, visibility, visibility. And you're like, okay, guys, we can't keep talking about just visibility. But it was that important. That horse has been beat but it was, dead. It was that and is that important. And by the way, I think also you tend to talk to people who are on the cutting edge of stuff, as do I. And that seems to be the focus. But there's a lot of companies, I talk to them all the time, who are saying, we need to get a TMS. And you're like, what are you using now? We'll excel for now. And I'm like, okay. And so we always tend to think that the market is defined by the the cutting edge that we speak to, but there's a lot of people who are just getting there. So. Absolutely. I mean, when I was a freight broker, I literally had someone fax me a signed BOL. (laughs) And this wasn't like 10, 20 years ago. This was literally like six years ago. Someone was faxing me a BOL and I was like, do we even have a fax machine in this office? And one girl's like, yeah, it's in the corner, like in the cube. And like, you got to like turn it a certain yeah. way. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay, great. Why are we faxing? It is it is in the year 2000, my yeah. friends. Mary, I, I've probably said this on my podcast before, but it's, I, I've, I'm already feeling very ancient telling this story, but I'll tell it anyway. I worked at an engineering company and I was young. I, I, I wasn't even done with college. I was went to school at night. But I worked at this high-tech engineering company. The boss announced one day that we got a facsimile machine. And that's all we called it, the facsimile machine. And he said, nobody's allowed to touch it except for the secretary. We had secretaries. And and then he said, eventually, Joe will be trained on it. I was trained on it because I was the runner also, in addition to Vienna. And we thought it was so high-tech that when Ford Motor Company would come to visit us, we would show it to them like we were like showcasing our facsimile machine. And <laughs> it was so ridiculous now that I think about it. And then the last, <laughs> I worked at a logistics company and there was a fax machine. I go, why do we have this? And um, the owner goes, well, there's certain people want, I go, no, 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 no. We're not getting faxes here. Don't tell me that. He goes, nope, we get faxes here. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, I had to actually ask someone to show me how to use the fax machine because I had to fax something back to that same carrier. And I was like, I can't just email it to you. And they're like, no, it has to be faxed. Oh, by the way, at that engineering company, the famous story was I went to fax something to the home office and the secretary said, Joe, it's not working. I go, why not? She goes, it just, you put it in there and it just shoots it out the back. And I was like, put it in. She goes... See, it just shoots it out the back. I go, well, wh- what did you think it was supposed to do? She goes, it's supposed to send it to the home office. <laughs> and and there was one thing for her not to know. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe she's right. I don't know. And then the, all the engineers in the office are saying, she's right, Joe. It's supposed to send it. I go, what do you think? It's supposed to wad it up and shoot it through that phone line? I think it <laughs> scans it or something. I was like, what do you mean? Or something. I was like, I 
it's magic. I don't know. But it's a funny thing because it, you go full circle. I remember that so vividly. Like that was high tech when I started my career. And I'm not done working. I'm still working. So anyway, I want to talk about it. We had three topics I wanted to hit on and uh, you wanted to hit on too. So what's the first topic that uh, you guys talk about here over at the Bloomberg of Freight? You're always going to have visibility is an evergreen topic. I mean, you're never going to have, I want to say you're never going to have too many visibility tools, but there are a lot of visibility tools in the market and not all of them are amazing. But uh, so that's always going to be an evergreen thing. But the thing that most people are starting to trend towards whether they want to or not is sustainability. So that's going to be something that I think is going to become a very big deal in 2023, especially since, you know, the SEC has started making companies disclose some of their carbon, like their carbon emissions and stuff like that. So I think that sustainability is really going to pop off in a big way here over the next year. Yeah. And I've heard many uh, trucking companies say, when you ask your top customers, is this important to you? The answer is yes. And and if you think about Walmart, Walmart is all in on sustainability. And by the way, they get a bad rap sometimes. It's like, because the nature of their business is, it seems like it's all about waste, but it's not. They are pushing themselves with their own, with their own fleet. They have solar panels on the top of a lot of their southern and western stores it is it is important to the to people we serve in the supply chain and i think also some of it empty miles is always comes to mind we're all trying to avoid empty miles because it's bad for business but it's also bad for the environment yeah it's kind of one of those where um you know, if anything that you can do to kind of mitigate those miles, whether it's, you know, we famously had continuous moves at one of the places I worked at. And so what it was is someone would pick up and then drop off maybe like 20 miles from where it's going to pick up again, just keeping that truck moving. So that way we minimize the amount of wasted time, because not only is that driver not getting paid for empty miles, that's more wear and tear on the truck that is not you're not getting right. income for that wear and tear. So anything that we could do, and most drivers were up for it because we told them like, hey, you're going to be gone for this amount of time. You're going to be back home or wherever you want to start or wherever you want to be. You're going to be back there at this time. And we're going to pay you for the entire time that you're gone because you're hauling something aside from like the 20 to 30 miles in between each two. So pretty much anything that was under an hour was considered a no brainer. Over an hour kind of got, well, is it worth it? Kind of something like that. We'd start looking for better options, but that was just the easiest way to keep those trucks moving, keep drivers happy because drivers are very happy when they're driving and making money and know when they're going to be home. When we talk about sustainability, we, we, I quickly jumped to empty miles because a lot of people are in trucking, but sustainability is just trying to lessen your environmental impact. And I think that if you look at like what a sustainable business is, my daughter went to school for that and uh, sustainable business is being good for people, good for the planet, good for profits. It's you can't do two out of three. If you say it's really good for people and it's really good for the planet, but we lose money hand over fist, that's not a sustainable business because you're going to go out of business and the person that replaces, the company that replaces you might not be good for people or the planet. So we need to do all three. Empty miles is one of those where you can say everybody in our business wants empty miles, but there's other things that we can do. And I think Boston Consulting Group came out with a, uh, a report a few years ago that 80% of greenhouse emissions are the supply chain. So, you know, we go home and we we buy sustainable products, you know, whether they're paper plates that are reusable or re made from recyclables or the clothing or whatever we might be doing or recycling every week on garbage day. We're only the 20%. The supply chain, when you go to work, that's the 80%. So either we clean ourselves up here or the government's going to step in and do it. And by the way, I know some people are probably listening saying, I don't believe that um, we have global warming or anything. It really doesn't matter at this one minute what your thoughts are on it. This is what customers are asking for. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I've long since said that like, you know, customers are demanding on it. I think I read a study last year that said that, you know, like, 80% of shippers were including some sort of ESG or environmental social governance policy into their their five-year plan. And they are in like 70% of them were not happy with where their 3PL was at meeting those things. And 3PLs thought that they were like, yeah, we're 90% great right. at hitting that. Like we are on it. And shippers are like, 
no, you're not like basically be better. And so it's just, it's something that everybody's yeah, looking Yeah. And for. by the way, if you can be the company that says, Hey, we're, we're making a proposal to win this business and you have, you know, the prices are all the same and you're the company that can say, we help you towards your mission of greener supply chain then you you have a good chance. It's a competitive advantage at this point because not everybody's doing it. You know, I started hearing, and I think you probably know more about it than I do. I started hearing scope three emit. What is scope three emissions? So scope three, there's there's three main like categories of your emissions. So scope one is anything that you might directly impact. So that's going to be like your company's energy that you use for your power bill, the trash that you waste, or like, you know, your company's actual carbon Corporate. carbon footprint. So if you're a manufacturing company, it's going to be the carbon that you create from making manufacturing processes, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be things that you're directly responsible for. Scope three is much harder to kind of quantify because if I'm a company, I know scope one, okay, I know my energy bill. I see my energy bill and I say I've used so many, this was a really poor choice of analogy, uh, kilowatts. I think so, yeah. I think, <laughs> of energy. Um, <laughs> I've used this much energy. And so that way I can see, okay, well, I'll need to maybe make that renewable energy if that's something that I can just call my I'll call my um, com- my electric company and switch to a renewable energy. Great. If not, so I know that I'm directly responsible for this amount. But when it comes to your scope three, there's not really a way to quantify it that easily. So you kind of have to start, take a step back and just start looking, okay, like my scope three emissions are the emissions that create that are created as a result of someone doing something for me. So that's so your suppliers. Be, yeah. So that's going to be like, if I'm, for example, if I'm a 3PL, it's going to be the emissions that that carrier that's hauling a load for my shipper creates. That's part of my scope three emissions. Yeah. And so you're going to want to make sure that like, if, if, you know, Johnny's trucking hauled a hundred miles, that hundred miles of carbon emissions is going to be part of your scope three. And so it's really just a measure. It's kind of a way to, you know, it's, that's what makes it so hard to define is that you have to, you know, find, you have to figure out how much you've done through someone working for you. Yeah, I think this, this is really just becomes a really another thing for the supply chain. So if I'm a, a let's just say I'm a, a retailer, I have to, I have my own carbon footprint, which is my stores and my warehouses and all my locations, my own assets. And then I have to kind of say, what is the impact? So I might have some suppliers. What is my percentage of their scope three? So if they say you're 10% of our business, you're also 10% of our scope three. And I think you're going to see the largest companies are going to be the ones that talk about it first. And, you know, this gets to, and you mentioned ESG and I know I, I told you this before we hit record. I hate like any controversial topics. Anytime someone's trying to bring on like anything that's political, but what's interesting is ESG did become political. I don't think sustainability is going to become, and I'm sorry, environmental. No one is going to argue about that because we have customers are asking for that. The social and the governance, I'm like, uh, you might you might see that coming off the plate for some companies saying, I don't care. We are going to care about the environmental in- impacts. It's the environment part is just such a quick win that you can get and that you can immediately turn around and say, oh, we're, you know, smart way certified. Yes. We're, you know, we have, we're carbon neutral. Here's how. It's such an easy way that you can turn around and say, look, this is, we have recognized what we do and this is how we're making it better. That environmental win of that ESG is just, it's so quick that I think that's what people are going to gravitate towards or first, especially because of that SEC announcement that everyone's going to have to start disclosing yes. everything. Yes, and by the way, you mentioned SmartWay. And uh, that's, uh, I think that's a government private organization. The government leads it, SmartWays. And one of my, one of the broker I know said, well, what should we do? What's the first step in an environment? I said, how many of your carriers are part of SmartWay? And they said, I don't know. I said, well, I would find out what that is. And they found out that only about 10%. Well, it's not that 10% of the sh- sh- trucking companies they used that given month were smart way. I said, how hard would it be to move that to 
30% within six months and 100% within, you know, a year. And it's little things. And I, and I've said many times on my podcast, when we have KPIs and remember only the very best metrics grow up to be KPIs, key performance indicators. So we have something for on-time performance. We'll have some sort of cost measure. We have a, a measure of damage stuff. I always like to measure, do my bills match my invoices? I mean, do my, do, do my quote match my invoice billing accuracy? And put one more on there, something that you're measuring about the environment. And because when you finally get an opportunity to present to some great company for their business and they say, hey, make sure you include some slides on <laughs> the environment or ESG or whatever. And you say, oh boy, it's too late. It's too late at that point because you can't do this stuff overnight, but we can start. And I would say, take the smallest step possible if you haven't already. And that might be a smart way. Maybe there's other measures. Measure those empty miles. That could, it could, it could be smart way. It could be literally just calling your electric company and asking to be powered by renewable energy. That is a conversation that could take 15 minutes, depending on how long you're sat on hold with your right. electric company. And that could be something, or talk to your landlord about it if you don't own your business or if you don't have control over that kind of thing. Ask them if there's a way to do it. And yeah, you might pay an extra $10 a month on your electric bill, but that you can upcharge or you can charge back to your customers saying like, oh, you know, we're offsetting our emissions. We're powered by renewable energy. You know, we, you know, have a slight little surcharge for that. And if you charge all of your customers an extra dollar or two, like a month, then suddenly it's paid for itself and then some. Right. You know, and it's it's an interesting thing because I've been watching more and more about the electric vehicles. I'm here in Michigan and I spent most of my career in automotive. I can't find anybody in automotive, like in my automotive circles, and they're engineers. That's fine. And I say, what do you think? And they're like, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see it. And McKinsey came out and said, we're going to have to open 500 new mines. Mining is horrible for the environment. And so I think we're going to see it. And again, I guarantee somebody's going to respond to this negatively, but I think we're going to see much more carbon capture than, than just electric. I think we'll see electric vehicles will be part of our future. We're not there yet. We're figuring that stuff out. But in the meantime, just the, any little move. And again, it's just thinking about it and, and putting it on your list of things to do. Anyway, we beat that to death. So sustainability is super important these days. What is the second thing that I know you guys, you, you touch on this quite a bit on your shows over there at the Bloomberg of Freight. But what's the second thing that's a, a hot topic? So it have to be, it's something that you could go to the Freight Waves homepage right now and see at least one, if not 10 articles about it. And that's going to be, you know, process improvement, modernization, you, uh, updating software, anything to do with that, whether that's updating your TMS because it's 2023, let's stop running our supply chains on Excel. I said it last year, I'm going to keep saying it every year until people stop running their supply chains on Excel. Like if your main form of communication is sending an Excel sheet to your carrier, your broker, or anyone saying like, hey, these are the loads I have. Can you, you know, take them? Stop. Immediately stop. Get a TMS. It's going to make it better. And I promise it. the upfront cost that comes with a TMS, yes, it's expensive, but it's going to pay off on the back end with just not having to send spreadsheets back and forth. What, But yeah, anyway, so <laughs> modernizing anything from your TMS to your back office solutions, anything like that, there is a software that's out there and it's really just a matter of finding the right one that fits for you because contrary to popular belief, not all software works for all yep. companies. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. We have, when TMS, Transportation Management Systems, came out or Warehouse Management Systems came out, and you first got it, it was like, oh, God, this just, I run my whole business on this. And then you realize it's not connected to my my order management system or it's not connected to my customer's order management system. It's not connected to an ERP of my customer. It's not connected to my carriers. So there's always, you know, what we all want is order to cash. From that order, from the time we get the order to the time we get cash, completely automated we still have lots of gaps between one system and another. And there are so many tools now that are out there. 
And again, I think there's a tendency to believe, oh, everybody's doing that. But there's a ton of small companies and larger companies, but smaller companies obviously have less to invest who have not done those investments. And I'll throw one out there, robotic process automation. I talked to my friends over at Lean Solutions Group about this. And you think that robotic process, somebody somebody wrote to me uh, on LinkedIn, we're not going to use robots for that kind of thing. And I was like, I don't, I was like, it's more of a chat bot. <laughs> like, I, I hope you don't realize, think there's robots being built to sit in chairs to do that work. But robotic process automation is, let's just say all day long, I'm receiving emails saying, Joe, give me a quote for this. Robotic process automation will read that, put it into your system. Maybe, maybe it's your TMS, put it in and it can get to the point where it sends back a buy now and you know here's the price and we'll get to how you come up with that price in a minute but the best companies are automating virtually everything in this process and right now we have a lot of brokers who say well i'm managing 30 shipments a month 30 shipments a guy per week well that's going to go to 300 and then to 3000 where you get to the point where we're just presiding over systems and talking about future improvements to the process. It's one of those where like, there's so many things out there that are, you know, artificial intelligence or AI or machine learning that everybody's immediately like, nope, I don't want to do it. And it's like, no, no, you can, because, you know, there, there was a labor shortage last year. There's not, it's, it's anticipated to continue this year. So, you know, if you are stuck with the same amount of employee employees that you have right now, then you need to be able to do more with less. And so if I can take like four, four people or three people that might just be sitting there answering emails all day of like, these are our hours, this is who you call for this, et cetera, et cetera, or just running quotes for people. If I can take that and maybe make that down to one person that monitors that inbox, because there's always going to be a weird question that you're going to need a person there to answer and kind of help, you know, coach the machine learning through how to handle it. So you're always going to have that one person that leaves you three other people that you can spread out and put in other areas that you actually need people helping you out in. And so it's something like that where it's not going to replace your job. It's just going to enhance your business. So that way you can pull resources and put them where they actually can serve a bigger purpose than sitting there running quotes for potential customers. Nobody wants to be that clerk forever. It's not a bad thing for a minute. But you know, also from a competitive perspective, I spoke to Doug Wagner, the CEO of Echo Global Logistics. If you haven't already, you should check that out. You should listen to all my podcasts all the time. But what was interesting about what Doug had to say is uh, they have their proprietary system over at Echo, obviously, and they have insights on so much stuff because, I mean, they've automated a lot, a lot of things. And what's also happening is their cost per transaction is less than the guy who does everything manually. So you might say, well... So what if they're cost per transaction? Well, it means that your and I, I've had this happen when I was at a low three PL where somebody quoted a a price that was lower than my cost, and I was like, "Damn, how did that happen?" <laughs> and that's how that happens is with technology, and the big the big boys are doing it. So we have twenty thousand or twenty two thousand freight brokers out there. Uh, I think we'll have a lot fewer than that in a decade. And the ones that are going to be there in a decade are going to be using technology in a way that makes them faster, better, cheaper, smarter. Exactly. I mean, it's what it comes down to. It comes down to, you know, I hate to say it, but ultimately it always comes down to that bottom line of what can you do? What can, what can you do with what you have? And if someone found a way to do it cheaper, that means if they, if you guys are putting the same rate out there, they're probably making twice as much as you are for that exact same shipment. Right. So I want to talk about the next topic. So first off, we talked about sustainability, which you should all be doing. Second, we just talked about modernizing the back office. And that might be just related to operations. It could be payables. It could be using robot robotic process robotic process automation there's a ton of technology solutions out there and there's a ton of technology providers out there and again i mentioned lean solutions group a lot of people would look and say oh yeah those guys are great they're back office they're a technology company now that's what's being done down there so anyway what's the third thing we wanted to talk about today i'm pretty sure it would have to go with 
ways to kind of improve your carrier retention through maybe some um, data and analytics and every way like that, just, you know, help improve some of the options that you have and just kind of overall improve your business through not having to, you know, go out and find new carriers every day. Yep. And so, you know, one one of the things that um, I I used to hate as a, when I was a 3PL was when we had to use new carriers for, for new business and cause you don't know them and you're always like, I want to get to know them. I want, I want to be able to trust them, and, but this is a brand new lane for them. And this is a brand new relationship for us. It's also, that's a brand new customer for me. And those are in my mind, just risk on top of risk on top of risk. And it is so much better when you go, I work with Mary every week. I trust her. I have her mobile phone. She'll text me back when she's back at, when she gets a sex, she'll text me back. I know what lane she wants. So much better if we can work with the same carriers over and over again. And it's not always the way it works. No, it's not. Unfortunately, there are times where I've had amazing carriers that have done great for a customer that I have, or I send them to a a consignee and they get a very unwarm welcome. I'm going to leave it at that. And so they'll call me going, this just happened. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, got it. I can never send you there again. And so it's a great carrier for me that's worked on for this shipper a bajillion times. But because of this one interaction that happened at one of their receivers, I was left going, Okay. And so then, you know, our performance with our like relationship was a little rocky, but you know, not every carrier that is a carrier that you enjoy working with is going to match with that shipper. So that's also another thing that you have to do is kind of focus on like, well, okay, do I have someone that's really sensitive? Because maybe I shouldn't send them up into the Northeast where they'll get cursed out upon arrival because that's just apparently how they do things sometimes in Boston, as I learned one time. Like, so maybe I don't send my sensitive carrier up there. I send someone who might be from there who will, you know, match that energy kind of. And then same if I'm sending somewhere, um, sending someone like to the West coast, like, do I have someone that's willing to tolerate some of those local regulations that are happening in California? So it's one of those where you got to know your carriers and know your shippers and know how to match them up together in a way that is beneficial for everyone. Yep. yep. And I know there's more and more tools. I know Freight Friend is out there and uh, I think Parade AI does that too, right? There's, you name it, there's a digital freight matching tool that will do anything that you want. It's just a matter of finding the one that you like. And I think most transportation management systems have a way to make sure you're working, that you you give some advanced notification to your preferred shippers, I mean, preferred carriers. And again, I, I, I sometimes joke about it. I used to hear people say, I work with 35,000 carriers. And I always say, how many did you write a check to last month? And I guarantee it would be in the hundreds. It's just the nature of it. But I think as much as I say that, we still have those 35,000 carriers. And a lot of times you need them. You find out like, oh, my the, my usual suspects, my, my preferred guys, the ones I know really well, I can't, none of them can take this now. So I'm by myself, you know, out there. Looking, looking for help. Yeah. I found a lot of luck with the, uh, oh, with a lot of the owner operators where it's like, oh, you're my usual guy for this. You can't do it. Do you have a buddy that might be able to? And so then I just kept growing this random list of phone numbers that like had like random names out to it, like Joe, Kyle, like if anyone else walked up to my desk, they'd be like, why does she have what looks like a hit list? It's not. It's just a bunch of random guys that are friends with some of my regulars that I'm like, hey, I know this person. Any chance you might want to do this for me? Because what do you know? It's not very common to find someone that's willing to go within to just stay between North and South Dakota all day. Like, turns out that's not very, that's not very easy I'm to I'm a find. big believer that with the relationships, business relationships, I, I joke, I'm not dating we're not getting engaged. We're getting married. <laughs> and that means you vet longer on both sides. Make sure this and, and, and work on that relationship. Because, you know, when you ha- when you have problems, and I've said this before about broker and 3PLs, you have like a, a, a brand new customer and you've done one load with them and they say, oh, that was horrible. I'm never working with you again. I want my money back or I want a discount. You're like, you're never working with me again. Like, I'm out, right? I'm, nope, nope, I'm not playing. But if it's somebody I'm saying, I'm, I'm moving Mary's shipments every week, and yeah, we dropped the ball on this, 
I'm going to say, Mary, I'm sorry, I owe you one. We're going to discount that or not charge you, whatever it might be to get to keep that relationship because we we're both value it. Yes. And that relationship, part of it is like, you know, there's, you have to talk about the good and the bad. So you have to be like, Hey, everything going good. Great. We love that. Or like, you have to be, you have to be the first one to say, Hey, we made a mistake, but this is how we fixed it. So like, we're good, but I need to tell you about this because otherwise if you don't do that, then they, then and they find out that you lied to them, then they're going to immediately, that trust is broken and they're going to be like, well, what else have they lied yep. about? My friend, um, Andy Nitz was on my podcast and he's a shipper and he was talking about RFPs and he said, for us, RFPs is request for partners. It's not just request for pricing. And I love that because, I mean, it sounds a little hokey, but they live it. They walk the walk and they they value the relationships they have. And it shows because it works. Anyway, I wanted to talk about another thing. I want to talk about getting freight pricing insights. And I know that's something that you and the rest of the Bloomberger Freight do quite well. So talk a little bit about that. You could do what I used to do back with, before I knew about Sonar and some of the benefits that it has. Uh, you could just do what I do, which was not a great idea, which is just take someone at their word when they said that, oh yeah, we can do it for this amount of money. I was inexperienced. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, well, it's around the same price you quoted me yesterday for the same lane. So all right, sounds good. Let's keep rolling with it. That was how I mostly priced things for a while until I kind of got a feel for like the market until I knew what was happening was just ask how much does it charge? How much will you charge me for this? And I didn't know if $1,300 was a lot or a little that day. Like I had no idea. It just depended on the day what the, what the price was, which is not a good way to do anything. And if anyone's doing that, please immediately stop and call me and we will get this fixed. Okay. Because no one should be doing that because upon reflection, I realized I might have gotten taken for a couple hundred dollars per load. It's fine. So Sonar is a Freight Waves product and Yes. So Sonar is a FreightWaves product. It's a data, it's a freight data tool. So basically it's got so many things that it's got a market dashboard. It's got a track, which is the total rate. I don't remember the acronym for it, but it's track. It's great. You can put the origin and the destination in, and then it'll pop up with the, the market, if it's uh, if capacity is tightening, if capacity is loosening, if there's no change in it, what the average what the average rate is for that lane per mile, as well as how much an all-in rate would be, the sex, the six-month history of that lane. That's just on one screen that everything's there. And then if you have a bunch of lanes that you want to do, you can just upload like 10, 20, however many lanes you want, and it'll spit out all that information for you at one time. So we love that for you. And then there's also some other market insights. So if you're like, so for example, if you're one of my buddies the other day text me like what's happening in Kansas City and I was like, what do you mean? Like it's Kansas City, like barbecue. <laughs> and he's like, no, I just paid 150% what I would normally pay for this lane and I run this load all the day like all the time. Like why am why am I getting charged $7,000 for this lane? And I was like, that is weird. So then I just hopped into Sonar and I was like, well, you know, like rejections aren't up. Like the market's not showing a sign of tightening. So I guess it's just some weird fluke or your customer has a bunch of needs that, you know, require that price to be so high. I said, keep an eye on it though, because, you know, if the rates do continue, that means that something's, you know, something's happening there. I said, or you might want to double back with that carrier and be like, are you sure that it should be (laughs) $7,000? Because there's not anything there that would be driving that price up. So um, it's just some of those insight tools where if you know that like, you know, capacity is low in a market, well, as a broker, I'm going to price that lane, I'm going to price that load lower. And same as if if I'm a carrier, I'm probably not going to keep my trucks in that market if capacity is low, because I'm not going to get high spot market rates, which spot market rates leave a lot to be desired at the moment. So (laughs) I can't blame a carrier for shifting to somewhere where there might be more demand so they can make a little extra money on some of those loads. And so this gives me like freight pricing index. So if I'm a, or insights, I should say. And so if I'm a shipper, this tells me what I should be paying. 
gives me a, gives me what the market's doing. If I'm a carrier, it'll give me some sense for what I should be pricing, and maybe I'm a little low, maybe a little high. And if I'm a broker, same thing. It'll tell me, hey, here's what you should be paying for. Here's what you should be charging. And I thought this is kind of an interesting thing. What a few years ago, I interviewed Craig Fuller, the founder of Rate Waves, and I think he said, and and correct me if I go too far astray here, Mary. But I think he said we we started off wanting to just do sonar, but there was not up to date market information, so you couldn't have a good market because there wasn't enough information. And I think he said we would write an article, submit it to one of the magazines, and they would publish it three weeks later. He says that's not how a market prices. It doesn't. And by the way, we're in eight hundred billion dollar space with when we talk about over the road truck transportation. That's not counting all the rest of the transport. So we're in massive space that did not have up-to-date media. Our media was by the week or by the month, and that wasn't good enough. So you guys created this media juggernaut around this, this product, and it reflects that. And so I always think that now we can have a pricing market. We can have we can't, and, and by the way, this is how efficiency happens. When you go over and buy paper plates at the grocery store or a gallon of milk, that's an efficient market. Those guys know what they can charge. They know what it's, what you can't have is the price of milk skyrocketing one day and then say, oh, well, how do I continue to sell it at my retail location in this volume? Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those where like you can, and we still see this now with some some sort specific issues with sonar is, you know, we have this incredible data tool, but what does it all mean? So if you, and we see this every day in business itself, if you have all the data and all the data analytics you can have everything that you want, but you still need someone to interpret that data. So we have a newsletter that comes out every um, every day to Sonar subscribers that kind of cherry pick different different tickers, different markets, and kind of explain what's happening in that market. So that way you see this data and you know, oh, rejections are low. That means capacity's like you know loosening, and my spot rates are going to go down. It kind of gives you another way to read the data, so that way you can be empowered to draw your own conclusions as well as, you know, we have a content, like just an endless feed of content that also helps explain it out. Yep. And I think, and you're going to have to help me on this one, but it's the tender rejection. What is that? What is your outbound? So it's the outbound. Well, there's both. There's the outbound tender rejection index and the inbound tender rejection index. But the one that we focus on the most, that's kind of you know, the key indicator of a lot of different economic things is going to be that outbound tender rejection or most commonly referred to. What does that mean? So it's so it's most commonly referred to as OTRI. And so when the outbound tender rejection starts going up, that means that carriers are, that means carriers are rejecting contracted freight at a higher rate. So if you see the outbound tender rejection is indexes at 5%, then that means 5% of carriers in that market or across the country are rejecting the contracted freight that they're awarded. So it doesn't really meant it doesn't really affect the spot. It doesn't really um, focus on the spot market. It focuses on contracted awarded freight. So if you, the more carriers are rejecting it, the more that carriers are, you know, maybe flocking to the spot market. So like we saw. So when I think about, so I think about, let's just say I'm a a shipper and I have a, a lane and I've contracted XYZ company, ABC company and Jones trucking. So I have those three. When the top two reject it, that's reflected in your numbers. And if that's happening all across the market or all across the country at a higher level, I know something's up. It probably means there's increased trucking demand, which means there's increased uh, economic activity. Exactly. That's pretty much the main thing that that index focuses on is just are people accepting it? And then from there, you can kind of draw your own conclusions and look at some other indexes and see kind of what the true picture is. Am am I wrong to say that FreightWaves invented this index? Not, not Not the fact that it happens, but you're the ones who's created the index, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a sonar original. So yeah, we did. We created it. I interviewed your friend, Anthony Smith, who you told me is a obsessed with french fries it didn't look like it he looks like he's in great great shape but (laughs) he's an (laughs) economist and when he was on my podcast he talked about as an economist 
more and more companies are coming to freight waves. Economists are coming to freight waves and saying, I want this information because it's the, it's a, it's one of the first indicators of where the, where the economy is going. So most things that when those guys are looking at all the, the data that they get, it's 30 days, 60 days lag. They can't tell what's happening. They're always waiting for the latest, you know, retail sales numbers or, but when you can see tender rejections, it tells you what's going on in the trucking market, which tells you what's going on in economic activity across the country. Correct. And the outbound tender rejection index only has a 24-hour delay. So anything that happens today will show up tomorrow. And by the way, I feel like we've always had tribal knowledge and we will continue to have the tribal knowledge, but this just is another piece. So you might say, I know this market like the back of my hand. I've been doing it forever. I have a whole bunch of buddies who've moved trucks and we all know what's going on. It's just another indicator. You don't have to use it. But it's nice to have the information. And especially when hit events like COVID, I remember a friend called me and said, right as COVID hit, there's going to be a lot less demand for trucks. And so I think we're going to get lower rates from all of our carriers. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it made sense that we... I mean, that was true for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, then, and then you saw rates skyrocket. as we, And then you start realizing... People aren't going anywhere. We're not going to restaurants. We're going to go on vacation. Can't buy a new car. But what we can do is order tons of stuff to our houses. <laughs> and that's what we did. So anyway, Mary, I want to summarize this. Then I want to get your final thoughts on this. And then I'll talk a little bit about what's going on over at the pirate ship freight waves. So we talked about four things. And it's uh, sustainability, super important. And again, scope three is coming a lot of your shippers are going to start asking you questions about it. Uh, if you're in the supply chain, we're all we're all impacted. And again, 80% of the greenhouse emissions are from the supply chain. So we are going to be on the hook for getting better. You also talked a lot about modernizing back office, whether it's payables, operations. You talked about care retention being part of that. And then the last thing we talked about was I'll call it freight pricing and insights, but it's really what you guys do over it with Sona. And uh, super important that we start using these technologies because by the way, you might say, I don't need that technology. Your competitors are using it. <laughs> so you better, it's, it's kind of not a nice to have anymore. <laughs> you better have that technology feeding in. Th- and by the way, if I get Sonar, I can connect that to my TMS or my, my systems and I get that information. So it's actually integrated with some TMSs. It's just, and there's more and more coming down the pipeline. It's just a matter of getting it all set up. I think there's a hand, there's a pretty decent handful of everyone yep. so far. If they're not connected to you already, they will be. So anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up. Final thoughts, Mary from Bloomberg of Freight. I mean, it's really just something that, you know, it's, Logistics is always changing. The market is kind of going through a huge tech overhaul, or not the market, the whole industry is going through a huge tech overhaul. So it really is just a matter of, you know, staying true to who you are, what your business is, and, you know, knowing how to advocate for yourselves and just ultimately know that sustainability is not going anywhere, no matter how much you want to bury your head in the sand about it. <laughs> exactly. So, Mary, what's new over at Freight? Well, first off, let's talk about your two podcasts. I know you mentioned in the beginning, but tell me about the two podcasts that you do. So we have Check Call, which is the 3PL and Freight Broker podcast. It comes out every Tuesdays uh, at 1230 Eastern Time on FreightWaves TV, and then usually about an hour later on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, it has a bi-weekly newsletter that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays at well, as well that you can subscribe I to. I saw you had 10,000 subscribers to your newsletter. Yes, we just hit 10,000 subscribers on Check Call. It's You were 10,000 right. so we appreciate I wrote that. that. It was on LinkedIn <laughs> yesterday. Mary celebrated, and I said, oh, I'm going to sign up for that. To me, that's a pretty big achievement considering we started with Well, it's nothing. no big deal. I just um, said hit subscribe, so you're welcome. <laughs> there you go. It comes to your inbox every Tuesdays and Thursdays around two o'clock. And then also just the beginning of the year, we took over Running on Ice, which is all about cold chain and you know anything from pharmaceuticals to grocery delivery to we're talking to somebody about cannabis delivery. So apparently I did not even realize that was something that was part of the cold chain. So You don't you don't want to get that too hot on its way to the, to the stores. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that is a bi-weekly newsletter that comes out on Wednesdays and Fridays at 2.30. And then Running on Ice to Show uh, is on Freightwaves TV at 2.30 on Friday. Nope, it's at 2 o'clock on Fridays Eastern. And then you can usually find it on Apple Podcasts about an hour no, later. Do you guys have any conferences coming up at Freightwaves? We do. We have the Future of Supply Chain, which is going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. I believe that's in June. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then we also have the 3PL Summit that's going to be in April. It's a virtual event, so you don't even have to like put pants on for it if you don't want to. You can just pop FreightWaves TV up. It's completely free to register. We've got some great speakers. We've got Global Supply Chain Week happening uh, virtually at the end of February. Again, you don't have to put pants on for that one. It's free to sign up. There's a, a insane amount of content. You can always check it out at FreightWaves.com slash events, and that'll have all of our events yep. listed. And I don't know how many podcasts you guys have, but you do too. And then we, of course, Tim Dooner over at What the Truck. I think there's like... 20-something Oh, I was going to say, last time I talked to somebody, they said, I don't know, 13 or 14. And one of the things I've always said about, I think Tim Dooner said it when he was on the podcast is, I shouldn't say Tim, what Dooner said when he said my podcast was, you know, we, we'll start a podcast and if it works and if there's, you know, market acceptance, we keep it. And as soon as there's no longer a need, we get rid of it. I, I remember a lot of people wanted during COVID say, hey, Joe, I want to come on your podcast, talk about COVID. I was like, you know, Freeway's got a whole podcast about COVID. I don't want to do COVID because I thought, by the way, what I, being a dumbass that I am, I said, it's going to last like six months and I'm going to have that on my podcast forever. Little did I know it was going to linger for years. But anyway, you guys have a lot of great podcasts. And But what I'll do, I'll put a link to, if you give it to me, I'll put a link to your two podcasts, Running on Ice and Check Call. And then if you give me a, links to those conferences, the one in June in Cleveland and one in April is virtual. So send me those links. I'll put those in the show notes and uh, people can reach out and talk to you. And I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile and to anything else you give me. Yep. I am available on Twitter at Mario underscore 119. Send me your hot freight takes. All right. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.